So as Rob said, my name is Tyler. I am the music director here at Summit, um, and this is my last Sunday. Uh, it's been a mixed bag of emotions, to say the least. Um, it has been a journey here, uh, one that I will forever treasure. And the things that I have learned, I could have never even imagined having to learn. I have five years of college, no paper to show it, which is fine by me. I can print that paper off somewhere else, right? Um, but just the experience here, in many ways, simply put, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant, which most people might say that sounds scary, but for myself, it's, it's, it's something I thrive in. Um, it's something I thoroughly enjoy. And as Rob said this morning, you know, I got here at 6, getting everything set up and coming down, and Andrew's on the phone with Chuck, and it's on speaker, and I said, uh-oh, it's on speakerphone. And he's saying, come here. Okay, so I was like, maybe Chuck's just saying, hey, just wanted to pray for you this morning before everyone got there. No, hey, buddy, I'm stuck. Stuck where? Three and a half hours away. Okay, where is this going? And he had asked if I could speak. I said, absolutely, why not? Um, and part of the journey here at Summit has been kind of this understanding of always expect the unexpected expect for something to arise you weren't planning for. So about three years ago, when I got hired, I started planning for the unexpected. So my wife will tell you, we'll be sitting in conversations and something might spur a moment. And I'll say, that'd be a great sermon. So I start writing notes on it. So I've got a list of notes and sermons that some of them fleshed out. Some of them are just thoughts on paper. Um, but it was no coincidence the sermon this morning that God's been really working on my heart this week has been titled, Expect the Unexpected. Um, and I'll kind of get into what that means for myself of that phrase in itself is a paradox. If you really think about it, and the best way to explain it is the phrase begins to flip over on itself as you say it. So you say expect the unexpected, which also means the unexpected is expected, which also means the expected is unexpected. It continues to go on and on and on. And uh, it, this phrase originated back in 2010. Um, I was a part of an event called Field of Faith. And what it was was a high school gathering. We packed out a stadium and had some worship teams and guest speakers come in. And one of the guest speakers was one of my high school uh, geography teachers, Mr. Jason Ritter. Um, this was a man who, whenever you had contact with him, whether it was just a good morning or you had him in class or you had the opportunity to catch him at lunch, you always felt better after leaving the conversation. He was one of those guys that didn't matter how long the interaction you had, you just felt like the world was a better place because of him. And at this event, he gets up on the stage and in silence, first thing he says is these three words, expect the unexpected. And those words carried weight that night because he had just received a terminal diagnosis of cancer. So the whole student body knew this man that they looked up to, this man they loved having around school, was on borrowed time. They didn't know how long he had to live. He didn't know how long he had to live. Doctors just said it. it it's, it's, we can't tell you. And that night, he took those three words into that whole student body, that whole stadium filled of high schoolers, with the diagnosis and everything said, now, I know many of you will hear these words and know my diagnosis and be saddened. But he said at the age of 33, 
I've come to know to expect and expect it of God. And if he takes or he lets me live, I know it's for his glory. And as a high schooler, there's a degree of comprehension. But as time has gone on, those words began to carry more and more weight. More and more of an understanding. More and more uh, of a true inspiration. And eight months later, he passed away. Fast forward six months ago. Um, my wife and I have been praying kind of about, where, God, where are you leading us? Where are you calling us? And this online campus position opened up at Southeast. Prayed and prayed and just felt like God's saying, just, just take some steps. Just see where it goes. So I had a couple informal interviews. Application came open. And I went to fill out the application before I could even type first letter of my first name. God said, stop. I said, wait a second. Why would you have me go through these meetings, these interviews, and tell me to stop on the application. So I prayed about that night. The next morning, I emailed the HR director and said, hey, I'm sorry, I appreciate your guys' time, but I'm withdrawing my application. And I'll tell you the rest of that story later. But this morning, I want you to think about those three words. Expect the unexpected. And today we'll be in the book of Exodus uh, floating around the chapter 6 and 7. In this story, just to kind of give you a bird's eye view, because we only hit chunks of it, Moses uh, has just been told by God that he is going to be used with Aaron to free the Israelites. He's being told by God, here's the steps in which we will get there, but you are a pivotal role in this. And Moses very, very quickly says, God, I am not the man for the job. My ability to do this is not an ability. I'm not one to speak. I have a stutter. God, you chose the wrong person. And when I look at this story, what I see is a list of expectations, similar to my own. A list of thinking, I figured out how God works. I figured out what he wants to do. And I assume I know better than him. And see, when life fails to meet your expectations. When I started to fill the application and he said, stop, it failed to meet my expectations. But I should never expect for God to do what I expect. We become discouraged when life, people, and God don't do what we expect. We believe that we live in a cause and effect world. We believe things are supposed to turn out a certain way. We believe that if we continue to do A, then as a result, we will experience B. But life doesn't work that way. And it's in these times where life doesn't go the way we want it to, where God does the unexpected. See, we have nothing to lose by expecting God to do the unexpected in our lives, and our lives aren't going anywhere without him anyways. We may discover that the unexpected exceeds our expectations. Next is 6, starting in verse 28. It says, Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But Moses said to the Lord, Since I speak with faltering lips, meaning the stutter, why would Pharaoh listen to me? 
Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring them out of it. See, in this reading, God promises Moses that he will deliver his people. God gives Moses a message to deliver to the people, but the people didn't listen. Moses is prompted to go speak to the people, and I can imagine he received this word from God, and he expected when I go tell them, they'll know it's from God and they'll listen. The exact opposite happened. Moses went and spoke to the Israelites, and that expectation fell. The Israelites said, what are you talking about? We've been in slavery anywhere from 80 to 100 years. They're not quite sure on that. I gave up on God a long time ago. I said, this must be the life that I was chosen to live. This is the life my children will live. Why would God do anything different? The people had forgotten that God was the God of the unexpected. Many of us hope and pray that God will meet us in our broken places, and when God doesn't answer the way we want him to, it leaves us questioning who God is. In that moment when God told me to stop filling out the application, it made me question, like, man, do I really know what God's voice sounds like? Did I really hear him say to go through this process? God, this is confusing. And although I know your word says you're not a God of confusion right now, it feels like you are. See, when Moses became discouraged, God tells Moses, expect the unexpected. God really can't deliver us from the enslavement of expectations until we trust him to do the unexpected. And the first thing Moses does after this expectation fails is he confronts the problem in the presence of God. Scripture says, Now when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said to him, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. Moses believed that he had failed because he lacked the abilities to accomplish God's task. Moses was blaming his own inadequacies for this failure. In simple terms, Moses said, because of me, God, you can't do what you need to do. Really? Do you really think God needs you to do what he needs to do? When I started praying about Southeast, this was a place I found myself in. Saying, God, why would you call me out of summit? They need me there. The staff has dwindled. All of us are wearing multiple hats. All of us have key roles and responsibilities. Why would you pull me out at such a pivotal time? You need me there. And really what I was saying to God was, you don't know what you're doing. This will hurt your church. Man, I had to catch myself realizing this isn't my church. Never was, never is, never will be. 
Whether I'm here or not, whether you're here or not, God will do what he needs to do, with or without you. See, it was Moses' weakness that made God's work possible. It was Moses' weakness that brought him to the realization of his need of God. God wants to do his work in spite of your weakness and your inabilities. God's power would be perfected through Moses' weakness. This would be done without eliminating God's weakness. When I'm reminded that God didn't have to remove Moses' stutter to do what God needed to do, reminded myself that what I see as weakness for myself, God sees as an opportunity. One of my favorite songs uh, is Give Me Faith by Elevation, and the bridge just says, Give me faith to trust what you say. And it goes on and it says, I may be weak, but your spirit is strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, you never will. A promise, the promise that Moses received uttered in those words. Too many of us are waiting on God to eliminate our inabilities before we start to work for God. It's not going to happen. It's the only option you have left is to trust that in your inabilities, in your weakness, in your incompetency, that God will work and wants to work through you. Moses was like most of us. Moses was like me. He measured himself by his natural abilities. He measured himself by the Egyptian education he received. He measured himself by what he thought the world said he was. We do the same thing. We take a spiritual gifts test to say, here's where we belong. Here's where I serve best. We take an Enneagram to figure out where do we fit? Who do we work with best? Think about the number of tests that employers have out there to figure out how you'll fit in their company. This world has done a really good job of trying to tell you where you fit. God's saying, stop. I think those answers lead to more confusion. I think those answers, those test answers, lead us to really say, this doesn't make sense. This isn't where I feel like you're leading. This isn't where you're calling me. We focus on our talents, our abilities, and our interests as we seek to determine what God is calling us to do. We think we have to meet a certain expectation before God can do what he needs to do. But what's so amazing is God was calling Moses to do something he had no ability to do. Moses was God's tool. And Moses' hindrance was himself. Moses cut himself short of experiencing what God had before him. God is always ready to do his greatest work at precisely the moment we begin to think we are hopeless. It's at that crossroad where you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I've failed, or God says, and I'm just beginning. For myself, in recognizing that, I had arrogantly told God, you're making the wrong decision. That I realized, God, maybe you're making the right decision. See, after I had heard, you know, stop filling out the application, it wasn't until maybe about a month later when I realized God was just saying, I just wanted to see if you'll take the step. I just wanted to see if you trust me enough 
Do you? God, just want to see, am I willing to lay down my pride? Am I willing to lay down my expectations to see what God can do best? God's power is far beyond anything we can comprehend. So why shouldn't we expect God to do the unimaginable? Why shouldn't we expect God to do the unexpected? Ephesians 3, 20-21 tells us, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, meaning God, than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. It was no accident that Moses sought God after each and every plague. We won't get into the plagues, but every time that God sent a plague, Moses would reach back and say, All right, God, what's next? God would provide the step-by-step manual for what Moses needed to do for God to accomplish his mission. Moses' courage to confront the problems faced in the presence of God made it all possible. If Moses had have left Egypt in bitter disappointment, as he had 40 years earlier, God's power wouldn't have been limited. Next step we see with Moses is he had to believe in God's wisdom. He had to remind himself of what God had already done in, in him and around him. doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. There is one lesson we all must learn in life. God can't do the unexpected with their lives until we do what he says. Even if doing what he says doesn't make things work as we expect them to, even if doing what he says doesn't seem to make sense, Again, in the situation with applying to Southeast, it didn't make sense. Logically, my mind was saying, how? What? What are you going to do? How are you going to fill this spot? See, in Exodus 7, verses 6 through 9, we see that Moses and Aaron are 80 years old. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle... Then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. And again, God is not trying to increase our abilities, trying to produce faith in him regardless of our abilities. That is where life with God begins. Life begins with a step-by-step faith as we obey the will of God. A life of faith doesn't require that we see the end from the beginning. Faith only requires us to take the step God instructs us to take. Reading on further, it says, So Moses and, Aaron went, uh, Moses, and, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same thing by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen just as the Lord said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let my people go. See, in this section of the story, you see that Moses, not by his own power, could turn a a staff into a snake. Again, God is calling Moses to say, how much faith do you have in me? How much are you willing to trust me? But we see the progress Moses is making in these verses. Moses and Aaron did what God commanded. He throws down his staff. It becomes the snake that swallows up the snakes of the sorcerers. 
This time when Pharaoh's heart became hard, they saw it as the work of God. Remember, first thing we read was God telling Moses, here's the steps that are going to happen. And at the end of what God is telling Moses, God says, Pharaoh's heart will be hardened. See, before God can work in the unexpected in your life, you must believe in his willingness to remove the obstacles in your path as you choose to obey him. Looking for another story that kind of wraps up this whole story of Exodus, looking at Matthew 17, verses 14 through 20, and what's happening is Jesus and the disciples go into a town, as they usually do, and a crowd approaches them, which is very normal. But this time, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus responds, oh, believing and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it comes out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? There's the problem. Why couldn't we drive it out? They had removed God from the equation. They had removed everything that Jesus said and said, we have the tools, we have the training, we should be able to do this, not realizing their source of power didn't come from that training. God can only do the unexpected to remove the impossibilities when we trust and obey him. Going back to our story in Exodus, God is working with Moses as you would work with a child as they learn to walk step by step. Not teaching them to run, not teaching them to jump, but step by step helping them take those first steps. I had to ask myself, do I think that Aaron ever asked Moses, are you sure? You sure that's what God said? Moses responds to Aaron whenever he asks this by saying, yes, this is what God wants you to say. But you'd better be careful about how you say it to Pharaoh. Let me see the next step. Moses and we must believe what God is doing. Don't have to understand it to believe it. Before God can work in the unexpected in our lives, we must seek to understand what he is doing. We must believe in what he is doing. We want to be doing something. Many times we are shouting, don't just stand there, do something. We feel like we must be doing something wrong. But God wants us to be more involved in what he is doing. Another way to say this is, sometimes we pray, God, what is your will for my life? What I think we should be just saying is, God, what is your will? Get out of the way. Realize again, God doesn't need you to accomplish his will. He wants you. We want God to show us the way. We want God to give us a roadmap that will direct us to our final destination. We want God to give us the direction to head. We want God to tell us where he wants us to be. But usually, we are too busy trying to get God to work our will in our lives. 
We want God to adjust his will to fit our purpose. As the story continues, Moses begins to realize what is taking place according to God's will, not Moses's. Moses begins to step out confidently into the will of God. See, Moses' confidence begins to build more and more. Moses is being converted to a man of confidence as he seeks to obey God's call. What I love about this, and I love about this series, Becoming, I know as a man, I kind of have to check myself because I'm waiting for the to-do list. I like to see what I need to do. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. But this process of becoming isn't that cut and clean. It's not that black and white. Becoming is actually just laying down that to-do list, those expectations, those black and white rules we want to follow and saying, God, just have your way. Do what you need to do in me and through me. But let me get out of the way. There are too many of us today trying to do the work of the Lord while focused on the natural abilities. We are looking to our natural abilities, our talents, our gifts, for the confidence we need to step out and live for the Lord. Instead, we should be placing our confidence solely in the Lord. Only the Lord can accomplish his purpose in our lives. Only then will God do the unexpected. Fast forward to about two months ago. Continuing to pray about why God shut the door on Southeast. Why he had told me to stop the application process. And I came in here. And I'm not a veteran. I've never served in law enforcement. But I do have a protector spirit. And I realized that spirit that God gave me, I was allowing to be the excuse as to why I couldn't follow what God was saying. And over the course of three days, I heard two words over and over and over, family first. It was in that moment that I realized that God was going to do what he needed to do here with or without me. And as Rob Z had shared last week, I mean, the biggest reason for this move is in this crazy and chaotic world when raising children, as a parent, I want to do my absolute best to protect them. To raise them to love God. For them to see a passionate following. And one of the benefits of being on Southeast staff is a fully paid for education for both of our girls. And it was in that moment that I realized as I get out of the way, stop making it about me and realize it's about my girls, it's about my family. It's then when I could have peace. But the unexpected ways that God worked in this are far beyond my comprehension. I mean, you saw Karis up here leading She's an intern here and has learned all the ropes. Her brother will be here in May. God had already provided the people to fill that spot so that he could move me somewhere else to do something different. But I was standing in the way. 
And it wasn't until I finally said, all right, I get it. I have to surrender my expectations to pick up yours, God. It was hard. I look around this room. I see relationships we've built. Hang around afterwards, you'll see my girls run around the church like they own the place. They don't have keys, which is probably a good thing because they'd raid the snack closet upstairs, but something comfortable here. There's something that's just routine here for me. The reason I wanted to say yes was because I wanted to be a continual part of this church, but I think also in many ways it's comfortable. I got used to having the unexpected. I got used to, yes, the six o'clock phone call saying, hey, change of plans, audible, somebody else is preaching, and we have to reorder the entire service. I, I loved it. I do love it. Andrew and I were joking this morning. I mean, the most excitement I've seen in a while now is that after that phone call. Andrew and I saying, oh, yes, it's not going to the plan. This is where we thrive. But over and over again in this transition, I've seen God do the unexpected. Another story of that is over the last year, I've had an amazing opportunity to work with a company called Able Shepherd. And the CEO is a 17-year SEAL veteran, seven years at the CIA. And he's been wanting to get his story out. A man who is totally sold out for God. A man who, if you interact with, you would probably have no idea that this is the, the, the resume he has. A man who realizes that the best move he made was leaving what the world sees as a hero behind to be a hero for his kids. And I found out last week, uh, the one thing that Abel Shepherd does a lot of from a nonprofit side is working with churches and schools, nonprofits and, and civilians to be confident in their ability to protect. And I found out last week they're looking at and potentially partnering with Southeast School to offer their resources. And after I heard those, three, those two words, family first, and I began to see the ways that God was weaving and stacking things together to say, this is the move I'm calling you to but until you're willing to take that step, I can't show you yet. It wasn't until I realized that that I began to have peace with the situation, peace with the transition, peace and recognizing again, God doesn't need me to accomplish his work here. He wants to use me, but God will call you and move you wherever he needs to do. It's our job just to get out of the way. It's our job to say, God, what's your will? And take those steps. And a couple of events coming up here that I'm super excited for for you guys is this journey to the cross coming up on April 7th. No, last four years, we've done a Good Friday service, which is super powerful. We've done it before. We come in and we watch clips of the Passion of the Christ and we retell the story of the Passion of Christ. And it's a very, very somber, a very, very uh, experiential service, I guess you could say. 
where you'll leave that night with a true understanding of what Jesus' crucifixion looked like. But on April 7th, this new way we're doing a journey to the cross, you'll come in. Instead of just experiencing it from watching a clip on the screen, you'll get to walk through step by step. Get to pick up the crown of thorns. Get to pick up the nails. Get to, in some ways, walk step by step in Jesus' footsteps and encounter what that journey meant. And I was reminded as this transition was solidified that even this idea of laying down expectations was hard for Jesus. You looked at Jesus in the garden, praying, weeping, and saying to God, if there's any other way for you to take this cup, then he stops. He said, but your will be done, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. In a day and age where it's easy to get comfortable, one of the simple action steps I wanna get you to do today is on your seats, you'll see the invite cards for Easter. Let me clarify, I know you might be silly that I have to clarify this. These invite cards are not for you, we're not inviting you to Easter. If you're here, we kind of expect for you to be here for Easter. Okay, good. Those invite cards are for you to give to your neighbors, to your friends, to your coworkers, to the barista at Starbucks. But I'm asking you, pray about who you're gonna give those cards to and expect the unexpected. Expect that as you take that step outside your comfort zone and invite somebody to your church, to your home for Easter, that God will use that to do the unexpected. Another opportunity that I get this morning is to lead a corporate communion. And man, just looking at, again, how God has woven everything together today. In a moment here on your seats, or if you got one on your way, and if you didn't, please go ahead and raise your hand now and we'll get you a communion cup. But I'm going to give you some time to just sit in that moment with God, to remember what that communion cup means, the body he sacrificed on the cross, the blood spilled for you. Take a moment to realize where are the areas that you've said, God, you can't do this because I'm in the way. figure out how you need to get out of the way. So let me pray and give you guys a couple moments just to, to take communion. So Father God, we just lift this up this morning. Father, would you just draw our minds and our hearts to you, draw our attention to you. Father, would we just truly understand what you've done for us and the beauty and the fact that we have a choice to either stand in the way or get out of the way. But Father, you're asking us to remember that you don't need us to accomplish your work, but you want us. 
Father, just draw us into your presence. Father, we expect the unexpected from you. It's your name I pray. Amen. Take a few moments for communion.